So for Mars, for those people who don't know who you are, you can just let them know who you are, what you do, and why you started what you do. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me on. Um, so my name's Miles Ellis. Um, obviously, I am a personal trainer. Um, I started my qualification about four years ago, um, which I started. My first job was in David Lloyd in Kibrook, um, obviously as an employee. And then soon started to find out a bit about myself, um, where I wanted to be. And I knew David Lloyd was definitely not the place for me. Um, so after nine months, I took and bit the bullet with two other PTs that were actually working there at the time. Um, and we left together and bought a studio. Um, um, it was a house and we converted it into a two-story studio. Um now, about a year after working there, I got recommended to, by funny enough, by the nutritionist that used to work at David Lloyd. Um, she recommended me for this job um, in town. So, um, which now means I'm working as a head personal trainer at a co-working company called Fora. Um, and basically, they own buildings within London, smaller companies, um, rent out our office space. And we have studios within our building. So I PT um, the residents from the studios. I do company classes, which obviously now are through Zoom. Um, and I lead their sort of wellness um, tasks there. So it sort of evolved into that. Unfortunately, due to COVID, um, the studio that my the other two PTs had, they had to get rid of it in April um, last year through just rent having to be paid and unfortunately earning the income that they need. So most of my clients that I were training there are now all through Zoom. Um, and yeah, so that's that's where I'm at the minute. So I'm in working in London, obviously when I'm allowed to go. Um, we've got buildings all over in London Bridge, Borough High Street, Soho. Um, and I think we've got 13 buildings within London now. And with the with the scope of going um, internationally um, one day, which which would be exciting. Um, what why I started? Um, I've been a swimmer since I was age eight, so I've always been in fitness. Um, swam for um, a club called Different District Swimming Club, um, which got into sort of the Kents. Um, so I was at a good standard, um, but for me to progress I needed to go into um either change swimming clubs because obviously I think we were swimming 16 hours a week where I was racing people that was getting to train for 22 hours so that six hours a week difference soon tallied up and you couldn't really compete with those people unless you unless you moved um so that's really why I've sort of I've always sort of loved fitness never liked um sitting at a desk hated sort of school um so i wanted to get out of there straight um, as quick as possible um and i've always been sort of self-efficient hence why now i own my own business called um mept and um, which obviously just played on on my name miles ellis my initials oh. um and the reason is is obviously from that and the story behind it is that it's very individually and it's all about the person and the client that comes to me so it's not a generic approach um, it's all about me as in that person um, through what we go through obviously assessment based led and whatever they have whether they come on PT or online coaching it's a bespoke experience um, which helps um, get better results but also uh, to the retention rate for clients because they feel they feel a part of what I do no, that's good, man. That's that's a that's really that's really insightful. I'm um I'm I'm happy to, for you to take me through that journey. Um, I know one thing I wanted to kind of find out because obviously I know you've been through um the hurdles. Obviously, working with people, having your own setup, working with a company, working with company clients, you know, and obviously your clients as well. Just take me, just if you could, if you can give. There's no perfect perfect answer to this, but if you can give me from when you stepped into David Lloyd's gym the very first time to you taking on the opportunity with Fora. What 
because obviously they're both big steps. Obviously, the first one is you getting a job. Uh, yeah, obviously it's a job, but it's a job in somewhere that you like. You know, fitness. So I'm trying to say, so you just starting out at that point. Um, if I'm if I can say that. Um, and then to you being introduced to you know the company for her and you know just that little that little gap space there was like were there any differences were there any similarities in feelings in uh situations that you know that you think um stood out to you um so yeah like david Doy was my first job and that is and to be fair the first nine months if i when i look back on the coach i am what the coach i was then compared to the coach i am now it's crazy like i sometimes if i i can cringe or sometimes things that i used to do with clients because like it's 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 the first like it's the first step and you're you're sort of just finding your feet as a pt and i always used to sit stand there especially the first month and look at the other pts and how they used to coach thinking is that how i want to coach because you don't know you don't know what 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 avenue really you want to go through fitness is such a broad aspect like you've got the bodybuilding aspect, you've got rehabilitation, you might want to go through nutrition, that, you've got to sort of find your feet. And so that first nine months was crucial for me because I managed to find sort of who I was. So when I left and went into the, the studio and, and became self-employed and owned my own business, I sort of knew where I wanted to be. But then again, fast forward to now, I've the growth is, and I would never have thought I'd be where I am today in such a short period of amount of time. Um, so the similarities, obviously, with working with four, I'm still self-employed. So I'm contracted with, you know, I can still own my own business. Um, I'm not, I'm still my own boss. I don't have to talk, answer to anyone as in like working hours. Um, obviously, the more I work, the more clients I get, the more income I get. And it's a win-win situation. Um Obviously, being a David Lloyd was an employee. You got told when you had to work on your fitness instructing hours and then you had to base your PT around those hours, which was a nightmare because you would be in at quarter past five in the morning sometimes and not having and then getting up at, at or not leave until like seven, nine o'clock. Um, mm. And don't get me wrong, I'm doing long days now, but I'm in control of my diary. And if I want yeah. to do a long day, like that's because I choose to do a long day, not because yeah. I'm being told I have to. Um, so, yeah, the growth in in four years has been has been something that I could never never have really imagined. Because if you told me four years ago, said, "Oh, right, where do you want to be in four years' time?" They, it would not have been here because I I, I don't think it I didn't think it was possible especially at the age of 21 oh. saying, oh, okay, I own my business and it, it's, it, yeah, it's good. But at the end of the day, there's, there's so much room for, for more growth and nothing and the business at the minute, it's not, it's not perfect. And there's so many, there's still little things I need to work on, but it's a work in progress. Um, yeah, that's good. And as long as you always stay, always stay the student, as I say, always learn because every fitness, fitness is, is always changing always changing and you've got to stay clued up um especially for your clients um that's, but yeah that's a good segue. That question no you, you answer that perfectly perfect and literally led straight into the segue um i was gonna go um how did you go about starting your skill but i think from swimming you probably wanted to just get into personal training did your course and then obviously went straight into the david lloyd's but um, what's really important is obviously, like you just said, fitness is changing. The clients, it's bespoke. You know, it's all about me, um, so to speak. If I'm a client, um, what I really wanted to find out was because I know you do, um, you do personal training. I think I look at you when I see MEPT, like obviously because I know you. But when I when I see it from my perspective, I'm seeing a I'm seeing a brand, obviously, which it is. I'm also seeing, you know, just the way the the whole brand is articulated. I, I'm actually genuinely impressed with it. By the way, you know, the colorway, the um, the the um, consistency, all those things are very, very important. But when it comes to your clients, um, 
what what do you do per se to um improve your knowledge um in you can give me a field it could be in hip mobility it could be in training or weight loss or mm-hmm. something that you do personally that you feel like you know affects your growth and um affects your knowledge and you do this here and there when you can to improve your knowledge now uh, when i moved into london and worked worked with fora it took me about six months to adapt because corporate fitness is completely different mm-hmm. of london these people are working oh, people these people are working long hours um they're sitting at a desk all day some of them oh. don't really care or not too bothered about goals per se a lot of people for example they can come to the they go to the say the gym that we go to okay Crayford mm-hmm. they go there because one they enjoy their training and because they want to see mm-hmm. results these people yeah. within the building they'll come because they want an hour out of their day, which is stress-free. They can come down and enjoy themselves. It's an hour out of their day. Like the CEOs that I train, it's like that's their hour that they do not have to think about anything. So that, so that that adaption of, right, okay, these people aren't very goal-driven. Like I can't, and they, they're not really bothered about, they're happy with where they are in life. They, they don't mm-hmm. really want to lose low weight. They obviously want to, they just want to feel better, move better. So that in that after like, yeah. that sort of, that period when I started, it was like, okay, what can I do to improve my knowledge, which will benefit them in these as- aspects? So I went and did a, what we call a FRC course, which is a functional range conditioning. Now this okay. is um, held by two doctors in America. Um, how much? How much did that charge? How much did that uh, cost? Cost? Cost me. I got it slightly discounted because it was on a pre-sale, and it was, I think it was eight hundred pound. Um, awesome. And it was a two-day course, and they actually they do most of them. They all in different states of America, so it'll be like California, or um, and then once a year they travel to Europe and do it. So I did it in twenty nineteen, which they actually came to London and did it in Boxall. Uh, Okay, the, year, okay. the year before they did it in Berlin um, so when I saw it was in London I was like well, I've got to book myself onto it because I knew I knew coaches myself that had done this and spoken so highly of it because um, it's not it, it's not your typical yoga or pilates or, or stretching what a lot of people think when you say oh mobility it's like oh it's like a pathetic stretch and no it's can't bother for that and that's that's not what this is um so what the way they look at through this course is all about joint health so not really about the muscular structure um but more um, about how deeper. how the joints move within the body obviously muscles uh, muscles don't create movement it's the joints that create the movement yeah okay um now obviously through while while doing this course um I think when you do courses, you can either go two ways. You can learn so much from it that you just want to be an FRC instructor and that's all you want to do. Or you go on courses, take things that you know that's going to be beneficial to your client base and then implement mm. it in your ethos and your way of training. Like I still, my way of training is obviously they need to move well. They need to have the prerequisites to be able to do certain movements um, so that's what I use the FRC stuff for is to help with their mobility and range within their joints to be able to effectively perform movements within the gym. As mm. you see a lot of and a lot of people don't realize and I think I think especially with the younger generation and that's why to be fair I don't really have many clients that are around my age because they don't understand that fitness is more like it's longevity. You can't be so like, okay, a five-year plan of this is how I'm going to treat my body. Because after that five years, you could have been damaging so many things within your joints that when you're okay. 30, you can't pick down to pick your son up off the floor because you've got a bad back yeah. and you've been deadlifting I'm wrong just, for five years. Like, I'm just going to cut in quickly. Um, yeah. I, I was literally watching a podcast like two nights ago and – um, Mike Tyson was saying, obviously, when he was, he was like, when he was training, he was doing like a thousand squats a day. And obviously, the guys at the 
um, in the studio, they were just like, what, a thousand a day? It was like, yeah, because this culture is like, you need to, some, something along the lines, I think we've all heard it, like, you need to, like, train hard and, you know, train hard and join the win later. Something around that kind of, you know, train hard today or reap the benefits tomorrow, right? That's what he was saying. But then he later on said, like, minutes after that, his whole body's completely messed up if that makes sense. This is Mike Tyson speaking, and obviously he was speaking about the hardcore level of training and what his goal was, but, you know, that's how people probably look at, all right, this five years, I'm going to train hard, I'm going to, you know, it's my youth, I'm going to keep my body in shape, you know, deadlifting, squatting, doing all this, but then post five years, when your joints are a bit more um, liable to injuries, and then you've got, like, the micro tears and the wears and tears from even day-to-day stuff as well, you know, people don't tend to, you know, put that in 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 the calculation. So, I think what it's <clears throat> it is is for a lot of people are very aesthetic driven, especially the younger age. It's all about body image and like, and yeah, you can still look good. Like, you can still look good, but you can still focus on your movement. Doesn't mean you ha- you can't. A lot of people see me and go, "Oh, that's pathetic. Oh, well, I'm not doing that." And it's essential. Like your body you need to treat your body with respect and if you're going to train hard okay you need to be able to recover properly for those later years now i had a client come to me and this was in london um and he had such bad back okay that he was saying that he couldn't like he couldn't play with his kid playing football and he used to train and he used he used to train because when he runs like he just his back spasms um, now I'm not saying this is the only reason because it could be obviously he could be sitting wrong in his chair and over time and but he used to train um, so he's quite a, he's quite a big guy um, but no doubt when he was training whether it's how his form was or if he was recruiting the right muscle groups if he did anything to help his his body and his joints and that wear and tear over the years obviously now caused this. And if I turned 30 and I couldn't play my kids play football, I'd be like, I don't know how you'd feel, but I'd feel like devastated. <laughs> like, yeah, so, I think there's so yeah. many other things to life than like, I think some people, and don't get me wrong, you'll have like Mike Tyson. He was how one of the best because of how he trained. And unfortunately, to be mm. the best, you have to put your body through things that he probably shouldn't. Is not is not probably capable of doing, and like yeah. when I went on this FRC course, a lot of what they do is they train um, baseball athletes. Now you think these baseball athletes are coming to them with fucked up shoulders because they're sw- they're swinging Same. bats and throwing balls at God knows how much speed and power, probably not what your shoulder is going to ever be used to. And they'll come to them and, and they'll, they'll be quite, they'll be frank. They're like, look, if you want to be the best of the best, you're going to have to put your shoulder through something that he's probably not going to be used to. What we can do as like these mobility stretches is strengthen and sort of rehabilitation work. So it, it prevents any sort of severeness or severe injury occurring. It's never going to be perfect. You're probably never going to be able to press overhead properly but we can try and so there are there there are the extremes of people, but gem pop clients like they don't they don't need to put their body through things that their body's not meant to be doing just because what it looks good on Instagram or I think that's that's the way unfortunately like, the fitness industry has gone down. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the reason why I did that FRC course is because it was the it was a need for my clientele. Um, mm-hmm. And if, if, if my clientele was all bodybuilders, I'd probably still do this course, but it's trying to change the mentality of them. And it's very hard to change the mentality of someone that all wants to do is lift yeah. weights. So it's trying to... Yeah. And the way I try and portray what I do is not stretching. It is, it is strength work for your joints. Like you do strength training for your strength training for your muscles, this is strength. This is strength training for your joints. So it's not easy. That's a good. I think that will catch a lot of people. If you say this is strength training for your joints, I think a lot of people would 
Okay, it's got a bit of a, it's got a bit of a, it's got a bit of a kick to it when you say strength training for your joint. But stretching, you're just thinking, oh, like, you know, a waste of my. I'm just, yeah, looking, feeling ridiculous. But then when you know that you actually, I don't know, maybe it's just, I don't know, maybe it's just the, the pride in men that they have to be. I don't know, man. But I just feel like if you start to tell people, or oh, if you do this. You're gonna strengthen your joint. I think the next day when they step on, when they walk on their ankles and they actually have that connection with their joints, they're like, "Oh, like I can, I can strengthen this, or you know, I can find a way to reduce some sort of injury." Just the same way we look at our biceps and we say, "Oh, I want it to be a bit bigger, or I want my chest to be a bit bigger." You know what I'm saying? There's that you can see it with your eyes, but I think if you start to like that whole strengthening your joints type conversation, it, I think it would pierce it would pierce through more people a lot more quicker than stretching, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, that's what you're doing is definitely, definitely. I also wanted to ask quickly, um, obviously you have a lot of insights on mobility and it's, I need, I'm, we're going to have like, try to get some tips from you as, as best as possible. But personally, um, have you been for any injuries? Uh, I was sort of in the war all the time when I was younger, injuring, so breaking wrists, breaking ankles from football. Um, I even broke my little finger swimming. I didn't think it was possible probably to do swimming. Um, but to be fair, I was fighting, so that, that, that probably doesn't make a difference. But it, I've been through injuries. Um, I've also been through injuries not as extreme as breaking sort of muscular injuries like strains, um, tear out, tore, tore my lat trying to do a kipping action um, while they're doing CrossFit. Mm-hmm. I never, I don't do CrossFit. Um, I think what they do to their bodies is, is not what needs to be done, but I was showing off um, and it come to bite me in the ass because I tore my lat and I had to uh, rest and recover for a good sort of three to four weeks. Um, so in that, in that, in that sense, sense that I have, and if I knew what I know now, when I had those injuries, I would have been able to recover way more quickly, way more quickly. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, you work with, okay, let's say you work with the uh, mid-aged people, right? Because, yeah. What's, what's the most common mobility injuries that you've seen? And what, what's the biggest barrier to what's the biggest barrier to them, um, you know, alleviating themselves from it that they've told you, if that makes sense. Like for me personally, um, I would say my, my mobility injury, 100%, I've just noticed of recent, it might be my hip, it might be my lower back. I'm still trying to work on the schematics and see where it's actually coming from. But I've got kind of like a, a forward slouch on the upper, on the upper, on my upper traps, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So sometimes I'm, 50-50, is it, is it too much shrugging and looking down so it's more of like a neck kind of shoulder thing or is it a weak lower back, therefore my um, my chest isn't upright so I feel like I'm slouching in or is it is it a hip mobility thing where it's just, it just could be my hips because, you know, your 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 body's attached to your hips. So that would that, be... Um, when we look at... There's two things we can look at an injury as such. Like my client, I've, I do I've got a few triathlete clients, um, and sometimes they might roll their ankle. So injury like that prohibited. Um, we can use the mobility stuff that we do to actually help and alleviate um, their recovery period by what we call, what basically I go by is use it or lose it. Obviously, yes, when you like, when, when you roll your ankle, obviously, the, the healing process is obviously the ligaments start to be inflamed. Uh, you, it creates swelling. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will go straight to like an ice pack. And I did when I was younger. Like when I, when I broke my ankle, I remember the, my PE teacher whacking an ice pack on my foot. And, and, that was, and that was it. And it was like, oh, yeah, this will make it better. And new research has come out now is saying, actually, don't ice something like that because because what the ice does is basically it's like a traffic light it basically stops the healing process 
because you you can't stop it from inflaming and swelling because your body needs to do that to get rid of the toxins. So okay. when you put an ice pack on it, it creates like a barrier and it stops that process. And that's why it feels feels it feels good or when you put an ice pack on it. But why is it when you take the ice pack off, it starts to burn again? Like it's not it's not like it's not a magic pill and it stops it completely. It's just like a preventative sort of gives you a ten to fifteen minute sort of period where you don't feel any pain. But that process is 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 what you need. And then what we do with the, the mobility stuff is that you need to create some form of tension within, although it you might be strained, you can still look at moving. Um, because the more you move it, it allows the ligaments to just and the muscle fibers to go back to the original state and to lengthen. Um, and like I said, to get rid of those toxins. So things like that, obviously that's the injury side of things. But client-wise, obviously within London, most people come to me with tight hips, um, lower back pain. Now, you think a lot of people are working at a desk. Most of the time, they're probably sitting in the wrong position. So their, their spine is in flexion, where obviously it just means their top half of their shoulders are rolled forwards. Because there's a, there's a curve mm-hmm. in the spine. So that, that, that sitting in that flexion period for long periods of time, Obviously, your spine is creating tension and unwanted tension in areas like the upper traps, for example. Now, remember, muscular feel, muscular muscles feel tight due to it, the joints not moving properly and how they should. So, obviously, you've got your scapula on behind your shoulder. Now, if your your scapula mm-hmm. should be like a free moving bone. And it should go through like a circular motion and it should move without having to move your shoulder. Now, when that starts to get tired, the sort of the muscle fibers attached to then the shoulder bone, and then you can't freely move your scapula without having to move your whole arm and shoulder. So when it comes to certain movements, like within the gym, like you might go into a shrug, for example, when that scaps really what helps to create the elevation, you're having to pull your whole shoulder up as well because you, you've your scaps obviously got those muscle fibers attaching to the shoulder, which are making the movement harder, which are making unwanted tension, which then causes that sort of, sort of unwanted, unwanted pain. Um, now, I always go through when you have an injury like lower back. The reason why they're feeling it mm-hmm. in their lower back is not the reason and it's not the area that's causing the problem the reason why you're feeling it in lower back is because your body's trying to compensate for the real reason which is usually underneath or above the pain area so if for example you've got a pain in your like a lot of runners for example they come to me i've got I've got, I've got pain in my knee you don't look at the knee and go right okay what's wrong with the mm. knee it's like right okay what's below and above and you start looking at Probably have you too. got how's your mobility in your hip because if you've not got good mo- hip mobility and adequate like internal and external rotation when you're squatting for example you're putting your hips in unwanted positions which is causing stress which meaning your muscles are having to sort of contract and it's obviously then pulling from below which is obviously where the knee is so like that would then you look at like the vmo which is the quad muscle just above the knee your muscles are obviously tugging that to compensate for this hip which is then pulling Mm. on the knee so whenever you look at injuries and mobility with any of my clients it's whether it's like i said hip and lower back usually are the main ones you always have to look above and below it because that's Okay, for me, I'm just I'm, I'm gonna need I'm gonna need something that hopefully a lot of other people can relate to. But personally, I would like some advice. Obviously, um, just like you mentioned, the rolled shoulder uh, with the scapula. Um, I feel like I've got a bit of a hunch, and I want to blame it on training upper traps a lot. I'm gonna blame it on that. But um, is it possible? Is there obviously without you being able to look right now? Is there like, what would you, how would you, like, have you ever assessed someone over the phone? But just to kind of, like, get my point out. Um, yes, apart from the um, arched back or the, the shrugged over um, traps or shoulders, 
is that where the problem is going to be or is it going to be a lower back thing because I hardly trim my lower back and then this is the thing is like it's so hard to find out what the point is a little bit trial and error really there are tests that you can do to sort of see if there's adequate range in certain points and then you can go right okay there's not adequate range or you haven't got good internal rotation of the hip so if you're squatting a lot it could mean that obviously the hips having to do things that it's not able to do at the minute which is then causing that unwanted stress and obviously because you've then got tension within through maybe the hip and the glute your body's trying to compensate by pulling say through the lower back and then into the traps like everything's connected within the body unfortunately and that's why sometimes yeah, that's, and that's stupid but i have something you could probably go to like an osteopath and go i've got a real big problem in my left shoulder and the first thing they'll do is look at your feet because they might say to you right you're walking funny so that means because your foot's got you'll say you've got an inversion on it's taking your ankle and your calf's really tight which is the knee which is then going into your back and which is like it's it, everything through that body so it is a little bit of trial and error but at the same time there's certain tests you can do to sort of see what areas are lacking in certain movements um yeah yeah, unfortunately that when you you have to sort of be face on with a client to assess just because you you need to see yeah 100% what ranges okay couple three three more questions is would you say um physiotherapy um let's say massaging um I used to study um what's rehabilitation what's what is it called um what is this thing called hold on there with me I've just got this book rehabilitation technique it's it's a process rehabilitation training or something massaging all right let's call it massaging but for let's let's call it massaging um is does how 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 much difference does massaging or um you know functional movements make if we're trying to, I know you said stretching not stretching but the course that you do and the 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 um certificate that you've got is more for functional movement and stuff um and it's focusing on strengthening the joints um obviously look thinking thinking a bit further in now i know massaging is more to kind of loosen the muscle fibers how inter how interlinked are they what would, would you say one's more important than the other or would you say they they work hand in hand obviously it might do but what would you pick a massage or a functional um training to get back to your well if you your, if you um, ask me what most most people go a massage because after that it feels good well a sports massage feels if you're getting a good one it feels horrible but um it'll feel good afterwards but you as the long-term effect of what you're getting so with massages that's why most people go for massage once a week and they have to keep it quite regular because they'll have a like a knot in their shoulder then the massage masseuse to take the knot out it'll feel good for six days they'll train exactly how they train again and then they've got this knot again then you think, well, why does this not keep coming back? Yes, obviously, that's obviously not to occur anyway, because obviously when you, when you train and fibers, when they don't interlink properly and they sort of then cross over, that's when obviously you create a knot within the muscle. And it's, it's a process that normally happens. But sometimes, okay, depending on the movement of the body, if there's a good movement, nine times out of ten, you won't get these knots. Yeah, you'll feel tired, but because you're moving in the correct way, they should interlink back together and slot in perfectly. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, go on. Yeah. yeah, I think with the FRC work, we look at more what we do. We look at more of like a neuromuscular adaption. So over time, your body will change. So like, for example, if, if someone comes to me and goes, right, I can't get my arm above my shoulder without flexing and um, without extending through my top spine. Now, you can go to a massage yeah. masseuse and they'll loosen up your T-spine, so your thoracic, they'll loosen up around your shoulder and then you'll go, mm-hmm. you'll go into that flexion and go, oh, shit, 
that's sick. I can take my arm above my head. Yeah. But your brain <laughs> and your muscle memory doesn't know that range. So over a week period, your muscles and will just go back to the same state it was before. Whereas what we do yeah, yeah, is like what we call powers and rows, or like progressive, um, progressive end range isometrics. Um, and with those isometrics, we're training our joints and muscles to go into positions that we, we're not used to. And we're trying to create some tension and strength in there. So over time, our body, that neuromuscular, our body can adapt to that new required range that we're trying to teach them strength in. So it, it, bit by bit, Makes it sense. takes time. But for longevity's sake, you're going to get more benefit on trying to change the neuromuscular side of things because then you're going to get that adaption long term. With, with with a massage, it's going to be a short term fix, and it's just going to go back to the same state it was before because that's all your body knows. I see what you're saying. That's that's actually a very very good answer. I think for anyone that's kind of like, I think that was pretty straightforward. But it would just be a massage is more likely going to be yeah. a short term fix. But at the end of the day, you're more likely if depending on the, on the scale of the injury, uh, it's best to get a massage. But at the same time neurologically improve your your range of motion with frc yeah. frc, yeah. FRC? Well, I, that, that, that's that, FRC. the frc so, stuff is obviously how i help and how i train the joints the way i train people is, is the functional functional approach so we look at the main the main movements of the body so and everything you undergo on a day-to-day basis so a hinge pattern so all your deadlifts a squat Pushing and pulling horizontally and vertically. A carry. So a carry, for example, is one of the best exercises for core strength and strength and and stability. So, for example, if if you can pick up a 40 kg dumbbell, let's say, and you hold it to the side of your body on one side. Mm -hmm. Now, this force, this force Mm -hmm. wants to take your body to the side you're holding it and wants to flex the spine. Okay, sideways. Okay, so laterally flex. Yeah. Now, working on mm-hmm, an mm-hmm. anti-lateral flexion, which is this what this movement would be, is your aim is obviously to keep that spine in a neutral position while keeping hips and pelvis neutral. And obviously that means the, the surrounding muscles around your spine, so your, your lateral obliques, your rectus abdominis in your front, have to engage yeah. to create stiffness within your spine to make sure that it doesn't move. If you go shopping, let's say, let's say you go shopping, and this is how you, what, how I, what I do relates yeah. to real life terms is you go shopping, you get someone to yeah. go shopping, and you go right, can you pick up those two um, sandbags and carry them to the car? Now, a gen pop person, that's got that's got twenty kg in it. They're they they've not got the strength within their body to to maintain a, a stiff spine. Um, to make sure they don't laterally flex. So they, they walk into this car with their hip side and walking sort of la- sideways because they haven't got the strength. And that stress then puts upon the spine itself is what then can cause an injury. So the way I train is that we still do all like your deadlifts, your squats, and but it's things that are going to help um, your day-to-day life. Okay. Um, I think a friend of mine brought up the carry the other day, and I was, I was, I was my, I was my, my lack of knowledge. I, I said the carry would probably be something that works the shoulder. I was thinking there's no way you can carry for the legs or you can carry for the chest. So I was thinking when I when I when I heard carry, I was thinking isometric, right? So I was thinking we'd have your shrugs, which is obviously looking at shoulders then you'd have your forehammer hold which is obviously holding the thing in the, in front of your face so i was i was looking at it like more as something. a um i don't know yeah like a holding something but obviously with, with based on what you just said um in terms of you know keeping the whole body um 
you know, in a firm position, training in that kind of way. What other kind of exercises would you give that are air quote carry? So the one exercises? I just explained is what we call a, a, a case. So obviously it's one sided, so it's unilateral work, okay. and that's what obviously focusing on that anti lateral flexion. So stopping and preventing your body from that spine laterally flexing to the side. Then you've got obviously um, still focusing on carries. You can go into a, like a farmer carry, which was both two kettlebells in each hand to the side. Now, obviously, yeah, you can look at the shoulders and look at, obviously, there needs to be a degree of retraction through the scaps to set the body in the right place and to not allow your shoulders to roll forward yeah. and be in that flexion. But also you've got that anti-extension where you're holding this weight and you're, you don't want to be pushing your belly button forward and pushing your bum back, which is obviously going into what we call an anterior pelvic tilt. Most people, when they walk, are in an anterior, yeah. anterior pelvic tilt because they don't know how to be in that posterior sort of tuck with their glutes underneath to secure that lumbar region of the spine. And that's a, one of the main reasons why people okay. get lower back problems is because the way they're standing, the way they're sitting, the way they're doing these strength exercises, <laughs> then from that, that pelvis, they're not in and they're not buffering the force is putting upon them properly because they're in this wrong tilt. So you've got farmer carries. You've then got like an anterior load carry, which is holding like a dumbbell in front of the body. Um, then you can go into like marches. This I mean, so many. Unfortunately, a lot of people when they train, it's all about crunch. It. When they train a core, especially, it's all about oh, crunch, crunch, crunch. Mm-hmm. And this is what's going to get me the abs. Like. Yeah, yeah. Dy- dynamic movements yeah. help to, to to build the muscles to a degree, okay? And it's what helps them to sort of bulge out and, and look bigger. But without the strength and stability of the core, you're putting more stress upon it by creating that dynamic movement because you're going into that flexion again, which means like you're trying to curl the spine when especially in London or my clients, they're already sitting in flexion. So why, why would I want to put them in more flexion um, to train their core? Um, so yeah, it's different. It's, um, it's different. There's different ways of looking at it. Um, but that's the reason why I train the way I train with my clients is, is to help with longevity and it's real life. That's, that's actually that's a, that's a good idea, good point. Um, just a little tip. I know you've got your own automated way of what you want to post out there, but I think definitely if you could at least you know that I'm I'm watching it because I'm going to look out for them. If you can put out some some carry um exercises, that would be that would be nice. Um, preferably that anterior um pelve to it um pelve pelve that you mentioned I, I think I've got a case of that and you said it might be a lower back thing as well so I think that's kind of helped me kind of narrow my my search maybe I should start doing a lot of lower back stretches because I, I barely did lower back training it was all upper back upper back chest back deadlifts and that obviously deadlifts was my lower was my lower um lower back training but it was it was more focused on lack with the amount of weight I was putting on if that makes sense so um if yeah, if you could put some carry exercises if you, if, out there, if, um, if you go onto my Facebook, if you go onto my Instagram at the minute, which is Miles dot pt, um, I have mm-hmm. done a core series, which is one the first series, which is just educating on how we should train the core and what the and what the core does within the body, and then the second part of the series is actually looking at three anti movements, so anti lateral flexion, anti extension, anti rotation. So see those three. Those three movements, and Definitely. I think the lateral flexion one I've shown demonstrate is a single arm carry. Uh, definitely create an IGT TV series for different methods of carries, which can which can which can focus on different aspects yeah. of the core. Yeah, that would be that. Would, I will really I will post that every time you post that hundred power. But I'm definitely sure some people don't. Like don't understand the the value that can come from it unless you're in a you know it's more of a like um what's it called when you lose your health you spend the rest of your life trying to get it back type of 
type of thing. So I would, I'm definitely, definitely um, interested in that. Um, yeah, just so I know you got you got your online clients waiting. So last two questions. Um, we've spoken about one already, so <laughs> I'm looking forward to your answer. But um, first one was was planned, and what what can we look forward to? And secondly, um, <laughs> where do you see yourself in five years? Um... <laughs> Right, so first question, um, purse, what's got planned? Um, For me, it's more within the business itself is to grow, um, to get people to to know my personality a bit more as a coach. Uh, um, Yeah, just to understand personality as a coach. Um, So I'll be doing a lot of IGTVs, giving out sort of free content, but education-wise, because the whole idea of when I train my clients is they go through a process of the first or six to eight weeks is quite intense. I see them quite a lot. Um, and that's the education period where they don't want me by their side 24 seven and they can't have me by their side by 24 seven. So I've got to educate them in a way that when they leave or don't see me as much, I know that when I give them a program, they're going to be training effectively and properly. And I know I've then done my job. Um, I think a lot of people, especially the online coaching um, sphere, it's it's very much just give someone a generic program as long as they're getting a some form of result, and that's 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 all that matters. When really it, you don't know, you need to be. I like to know who that person is on the other end, and what I'm doing is going to benefit them now, but also in the long run. So, um, yeah, so that's sort of what planned. I've got things um, growing my online business. Um, so I'll be opening up a few more slots um, for my online co- online coaching. Um, because I do it as a personalised thing, I only take on, um, I have a max of, of 10 clients at a time um, because it is so in-depth and it takes time to programme, assess, um so yeah so that that'd be coming up and then where does he himself in five years time um i've always said that i want to have my own studio space somewhere i can um but it depends i think obviously working in london i don't want to live in london so I'd need to move somewhere. Really? Um, I probably not not too far from London, but I'd probably want to go and see. So he's got like Surrey or Seven Oaks. So you could, there's a link into London, um, but an area where okay. I could, I, I in the for the future, I could build a place and and, and make it work. Um, but yeah, to you. be honest, it's like just growing just growing as a, as a coach, learning, bettering myself to make sure I'm giving the, the best value value for my clients. Absolutely. And to be honest, what you, what you do, not everyone's going to agree with what you do. A lot of people might look at me and with the, with my ethos and how I train and go, oh, fuck that, like, he's doing it wrong. And, and with fitness, there's no, to an extent, there's no right or wrong answer. As long as you can just you can justify what you're doing mm. um, for for a client, then yeah. that's the main thing. It's it's when it's when people just give things willingly, and then they have no justification from it, and that's when you look at it and go, well, well, no, that that's yeah. I usually I usually usually in bodybuilding, um, I don't know, it's me in it, but usually I like to people always say science and this and this, but then I'm, I'm like, you're missing logic as well. Like sometimes to hit certain things, you need to add a bit of logic. You need to, not just logic out the blue, but like mechanical logic, you know what I'm trying to say? Like it's just a, like people like people say you have to do four sets of 12 reps, 12 to 15 reps, and you have to do that, you know, constantly. And I'm just like, sometimes, you know, logically, depending on how you do it, you can, you can switch things up. It's not always... The same, but as long as there's that, there's that basis, there's that, you know, you can definitely keyword is justify it. But I think it's it's open to interpretation because I can say let's train biceps, right? And then I say let's go on let's go on the deadlifts, and then 
I'm like, yeah, because you're using your arms to pull your biceps is involved in it. So there's 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 like a level of 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 but it doesn't have of, it doesn't you know logic things that's, that have that to be related. In like in the day you could be training biceps because that client their main goal was like I want bigger arms. But from your assessment as a coach, you know that they've got really low they've got a weak lower back. Um and you know that a hinge pattern yeah is something that they will incur on a day-to-day basis. So one little tip that I've got from when I have mentors that I've I learned from and I see on a weekly basis and that and it's one of the reasons why I, I have grown um as a coach. And one thing I've learned from them is when you program for someone, any client that comes to you, it's obviously always client driven. But the program needs to consist of a large amount of what they want what their goal is and a small amount of what they what you know as a coach they need so from an assessment so i know that they've got really weak mm. back they have no shoulder flexion in their arm so it's how can you program for them still give them their bicep curls and their triceps because they want the arms but also implement things that are going to help and promote better shoulder flexion or a stronger lower back Art, I would say, and that is the art of coaching, yeah. is being able to do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's. Yeah. No, you hit you hit that you hit that spot, and that's I don't think I can get it, but I'm gonna clip that and use that as the thing as the promo or trailer, whether I think that's the best answer you could hear from a, a personal trainer, just in general. Very very good point. Um. So yeah, that's. That's pretty much how I appreciate you being on the podcast. Um, just quickly, so people can definitely, definitely reach out to you with your email, your Twitter, your Pinterest, wherever it is. Put it. Um, just let them know where it is right now. Um, audio wise, and then I'll get the details from you. I'll just put all your details in the in the description below. But yeah, go ahead and so let them know where they can get in contact best thing, with you. Best place to sort of find me is on social media on Instagram, um, which is Miles Ellis dot uh, PT um there is not private so you'll be able to click on it um and in the bio it's uh head, per- head personal trainer at fora um and the logo is uh an me in orange dot and then pt so you should be quite easy to find um always open for conversation so send me a direct message if if you want and then uh, email is me so me at miles ellis pt.com Perfect, perfect, perfect. So yeah, hopefully we can have another conversation. I'd definitely like to pick your brain on some more stuff. Uh maybe focus more on uh, the the fitness spacing and type of terminology and contract and things that could be there. I think a lot of people definitely want to know that or your personal training journey in um David Lloyd's. But definitely more importantly, I'm gonna leave you to your clients because you know clients come first always. So um, I appreciate you no, being on here, Miles. Really do, really do. So, um, definitely. No, thank you for coming. We'll stay in contact on Instagram and hopefully lockdown yeah, easy, and we can bang a session in crazy. All right, thank you very much. Right, take it easy. Yeah.